The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. Hey, it's Mariana. I am an influencer and co-founder of Summer Fridays, and this is the Life with Mariana podcast. This episode is with Aurora James. She is the founder of Brother Veli's and the 15% Pledge. She's also a vice chair of the CFDA. Her new book, Wildflower, is available now, and I think you guys are going to love this episode from Aurora. Aurora is such an inspiration to me, and I love everything that she does, and I really think you guys will be inspired by this conversation. And definitely pick up her book, which is available now. I will link it in the show notes. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, be sure to subscribe or follow on Spotify because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. Now let's hear from Aurora. I've known you for a long time now, and I see all the amazing work you do between Brother Bellies and the 15% Pledge. But I want to know, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Or did you have any idea what you wanted to do as a career as an adult? Oh my gosh. So it's actually really funny. My mom brought me to Canal Street in New York when I was really young. And she explained the concept of counterfeit handbags to me. She was like, this is someone's art that they've reproduced and are selling here. And I was really confused and fascinated. And there was like a whole stretch of my life where I actually wanted to be an attorney to fight counterfeit handbags, which is very random, Mariana. It's very random, but I feel like that really does go along so much with what you're doing now and the business that you have now. And even in the book, you share the story of when Zara was knocking off the shoes and then the work that you're doing with the pledge. So I feel like it's always the things you knew you wanted to do when you grew up. It's just in a different capacity. Yeah, I agree. I think in a, in a, in a way, I've always felt like deeply protective of the arts in general and also really inspired to have some role in that protection and in that safekeeping and also in the growth and development of. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I went through the book and I'm so excited for you because I feel like I've known you for a long time, but there was so much in the book that I feel like I'm reading for the first time and learning for the first time. So why did you want to write the book? Like, why was it the right time? And how were you so comfortable sharing so much of your story? Because I feel like I'm like kind of shy to share so many things. Oh my gosh, I'm not necessarily comfortable sharing so much of my story, right? And I think that that is actually exactly the reason why I needed to. I think for me, with so much of our lives existing on social media, it, it there's like this weird juxtaposition, right? Because sometimes I'm like, I feel so exposed on social media, like everything is there. And then I'm like, wait, nothing is there, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's like both everything and nothing. And so I felt like I was in a situation where like my community on social media like knew me so well but then also didn't know me at all and I think that in some way I was also looking for like a deeper intimacy with the world. And 
I felt like I wasn't going to be able to get that unless I was truly vulnerable. And then also, I think the more successful I became in my career, the more urgent I felt like it was to actually be fully transparent about like all of the bumps and bruises and scratches that I have amassed along the way that made me doubt myself. Yeah, I think that's really helpful because I think from the outside, you can see like, oh my gosh, cover of Vogue, like winning awards, doing all these things. And you think like, oh, this is such a dream life. But then when I'm reading this story, it's like, I never even knew that you were going through these challenges. We're starting businesses and we're not really knowing things and we're bringing on partners or capital that's not the right thing for us. I I was reading this chapter and I was just like, I literally want to screenshot this part of the book when it comes out and share it with people of just like a warning that all capital is not equal. Like you really need to be so mindful of like who you let into the business. And so I love that you're sharing all this. And I think it's really helpful to like peel back that what you see on social isn't necessarily what's going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I think like there are so many things and that's such a great example. Like when I took that like very horrible loan, right? Like there that that was such a huge issue for me and my business for so long. And I felt like such a failure, Mariana. Like I was like, oh my God, like such an idiot. I can't believe I signed this contract. Like how am I ever going to get out of this? I totally deserve to be in this situation. I mean, I really beat myself up over it and like convinced myself that I was like a horrible entrepreneur because I had done that, right? And it's like, well, actually the reality of the situation was that like I didn't have any other options really at the time. I mean, I could have probably maybe found some more had I known how bad this option actually was, right? But there's all these things that we tell people, especially women and like in, you know, girl boss culture and all that jazz. It's like, okay, like go out, raise from family and friends, blah, blah, blah. But like, what happens when that's not an option for you, right? And like, this story is like, what can happen? And, and it doesn't mean that you're a bad entrepreneur or not smart or not financially literate. It means that like, sometimes things happen that like, aren't part of the plan. It's like, you know, that boxer says like, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? It's like Mike Tyson Muhammad Ali says that. And like, you just don't know what life is going to throw at you. And I think for me, there were so many kind of like missteps along the way and times that made me doubt myself so much where I was like, okay, I'm not worthy of this or I'm not the right person to do this because this has happened or because I dropped out of school or, you know, because this person broke up with me or whatever. Right. And it's actually like, no, like all of these missteps led me to the exact place that I need to be to do the thing that I'm actually called to do. And I know it can be really challenging and I'm sure there's aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are just getting into business and it's really difficult to navigate. And I know that there's times like, you know, in business where you can feel like a failure, like you said, but how do you get over those times and really push through it? Because I know you shared too, like there was times where you felt like you wanted to give up in the days of Brother Valleys and then with the pledge too. But I know it's challenging to say like, I know I have something here. This sucks. I still want to move forward. Like, how do you do that? Well, I think one thing, so that's such a great question. Like, I think to be completely honest with you, completely honest with you, I think the reason why I haven't given up is because I've tended to center other people in the work that I've been doing. 
And with Brother Veli's, right, like that brand is produced by artisans all across the world. So I couldn't give up because I felt like they were depending on me. And with the 15% pledge, it's like we've put 600 Black-owned brands onto the shelves of our pledge takers. So I feel like I have to keep going so that I can create that access and opportunity for others. So as is the case with many women, unfortunately, right, sometimes we feel more compelled to work harder for our community than we even kind of do for ourselves. And I think I've turned that into a blessing in, in my scenario, but I can't necessarily say that it was like my own personal self-esteem that, that continued to drive me to, you know, work this hard. Yeah. I think that that's such a good piece of advice and like a pressure that I feel so many of us have as as business owners. Like I remember we were sitting around our table for Thanksgiving with our like employees and it was Friendsgiving and everyone was going around the table and saying what they were doing for this holiday. And someone was saying they were taking their family to Disney and someone was was going on a cruise. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that this idea that we started internally supports the lives of all these people and the pressure that it has on you that you're like, okay, wow, so many people rely on this thing that I came up with. Totally. I mean, that's a thing that people don't talk about. Right. Because like at all, like I remember, I remember, I mean, there's a whole part in in my book where I talk about like, you know, there's this, there was a woman who worked for me who was a single mom, right. Who, who, who I was paying six figures to in like very, very, very early days of my business. And like, I would bounce my own rent check to not bounce payroll because like these people like are depending on me. Like I, like, I have to eat last no matter what. Now we all know how important it is to hit your daily hydration goals, but why does it seem like we must pick between something that'll hydrate us properly or something that's tasty but full of sugar and who knows what else? We shouldn't have to pick between staying health conscious and taste, right? Well, now we don't. Thanks to AirUp, a new drinking system that flavors water through scent. AirUp is the world's first water bottle that harnesses the power of scent to bring flavor to your water. You're getting all the benefits of drinking plain water with the added enjoyment of flavor. Arab's natural flavors excite water like never before. Simply pop on a flavor pod, fill it with water, and sip. That's it. All the benefits of drinking plain water but made tasty. From watermelon, peach, to wild berry, and cherry, Arab has a flavor pod for every palate. Arab is the hydration solution I have been looking for. Find your flavor today by clicking on the Arab link in the description. If there's one thing that I feel I am an expert at, it is packing, traveling, going places, and there's one brand that I really love, and I know you guys do too, which is Base. And if you were looking for a sign to buy a suitcase or a bag from base, this is your sign. And you guys can get 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash Mariana. Base is an overpacker's dream. It can be really hard to fit everything in, especially when it comes to luggage. With base, there's room for everything. 15 pairs of underwear for a weekend. No problem. Deciding between a few pairs of shoes, bring them all with base. Base was created by Shea Mitchell to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable. Base has thought of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage. 360-degree gliding wheels, a cushion handle, built-in weight indicator, washable bags for your dirty clothes, and all the interior pockets you need to keep yourself organized, which I definitely need these in my own bags because I bring so many things with me. I'm definitely an overpacker. Their luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors, and for shorter trips, the weekender bag is super functional and even has a place to store your shoes separately. Every piece is made to look better with miles, so you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead, and Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. Whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking to breeze through a security line, Base has your personal items covered. 
Right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash Mariana. Go to basetravel.com slash Mariana for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash Mariana. People think, okay, you start a business, you're suddenly like really successful. And what we see online isn't necessarily like the reality of what it is because I think a lot of like times being an entrepreneur and a business owner has been really glamorized. And I love that in the book, you're really sharing like there are so many challenges and there is so much that's going on that people just don't realize. And another story that you shared, and I think you actually talked about this in person, maybe at a panel or something I attended, was when you were making shoes and there was something that happened. You got scammed. What What is the story? It was something like they drained your bank account. Oh, yeah. I mean, that happened like very early on. Yeah. <laughs> It was just someone that I had partnered with, right? That I really trusted and it just went south super fast. And I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I launched a business once and then this bad thing happened. And like, you know, I had to close it down. And I never had that perspective about my own business. Like, I was like, okay, no matter what happens with this, like, I have to keep going, right? Like, by any means necessary. And it's hard. Like, you know, this just as well as I do, like there's days where you're going to be like, dang, like, I don't know if I'm the girl for the job. Right. Yeah. And there's bad luck (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. too, like just plain old fashioned bad luck. And I think in those moments, like we're really tested. And I think that's also why, like, you have to, like, as women, like, we have to share these stories with each other because we have to also like normalize like the hiccups and the mistakes and the, you know, issues. Like I was talking to someone yesterday and I was like, yeah, you know, like I, I, I did this job once and I found out that one of my friends was a guy did the exact same job and got paid four times as much as me, (laughs) you know? So now as a, as, as a function of that, like I try, when I learned that, that, that at that time, like, I then said to myself, okay, I have to also like make a point to talk to my female friends, sometimes a little bit more about money. Yeah, it it really is important. And no matter sometimes like you can do all this due diligence, you can get all the right introductions. It can sound like it's great on paper. They work with really great people. And then sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like you said, like bad luck. Cause I was going to ask like, what advice would you have to get, make sure people don't get in these scenarios, but sometimes all the advice doesn't help if it's just what the other person's business is like. Yeah. It's hard to give advice to not get scammed because it seems like such like obvious advice. Right. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes like, it's like, okay, when I took out the bad loan, like the advice could be like, well, make sure you read the contract, but like everyone knows that. And it's, it's those moments where it's like someone that you really trust. Like for me, it was like, this person was a mentor, right. That was like assigned to me from the CFDA. So why wouldn't I trust this person? Like if anything, like if you're going to skimp on reading any contract, it's probably the one from your mentor. Right. (laughs) Right. It's so crazy. And then I think in that scenario too, there's a lot of confusion with people around equity and like what debt means. And so if you were to go back in time, like how would somebody advise themselves to even read through a contract like this or really start understanding what does debt mean? Like, what does equity mean? Like, what do these certain things mean? Because contracts, I feel like aren't in place if things go good, they're in place. So if things go bad, like what happens in these different scenarios? 
Totally. That's so well said and so important for people to remember, right? Like a contract is disaster planning and you want to understand what and how that's going to pan out for you. I think for me, I had sort of always classified myself as a creative more than a business person. And I think that was both true and untrue, right? Like historically, perhaps I had not been a business person, but I think it was easier to, I don't know, classify myself as just a creative and and feel like I, you know, wasn't, I think it just felt like insecure in some of those ways, right? Despite the fact that like, you know, I was actually like running a business that had never been unprofitable. Like it had always been profitable. And I actually, like when you compare it to a lot of other fashion businesses, it was absolutely crushing it. Right. But I still couldn't see myself like as an, as a successful entrepreneur in that way. And I guess what I would say is a few things. One, what's been critically important to me is really defining success on my own terms. And I think as it pertains to a fashion business, there are a lot of different metrics of success, right? Like when I started Brother Valley's, I did not want to have a business that was the size of Michael Kors. I really wanted to do everything in my power to be able to support and employ as many artisans as possible around the world and to reframe the idea of sustainability and artisanship and you know, cultural participation for people in the fashion industry and in the country, right? And so that was going to be my barometer of success. And so when I think back about raising capital at that time, and even when I had conversations with investors, right? Like they would be like, oh my God, like, I love what you're doing at Brother Valley so much. It's so amazing that you've been winning these awards, blah, blah, blah. Like we would totally love to invest in this business. The only thing that we would say is like, you should move all of your production out of Africa and maybe consider China instead. But that's your entire brand ethos. <laughs> so it's like, then you just don't really understand what you're doing here. Totally. And, you know, it's like the other thing that people don't necessarily think about or understand is like, if you raise money, there is the expectation of some kind of exit event. Like you need to give those people their money back in some way. Right. And investment isn't a gift, it's a loan. And then you have to pay this loan back and then some in time. Exactly. Right. And so I knew too, and I know that in order for Brother Bellies to take on capital, it has to be from someone that has varied metrics on success, right? And that is a precarious place to be because investors are generally just looking for a big return, right? And so if the return that they want is financial, they're going to be more inclined to push me on the moral issues that are potentially compromising any of their returns. Like, of course, they're going to want me to move my production to China. I feel like there's so many things that you do. And you were saying that you always thought of yourself as a creative and not a business person. There's probably so many people listening who feel the same way. So how have you learned about the business side of things along the way or educated yourself or what resources are there? Because I think it's so difficult to know how to run a business if you've never run a business before. Oh my gosh. Trial by fire, Mariana. Really? (laughs) I mean... It's been tough. I had to learn a lot of lessons the really hard way. I also spend a lot of time like listening to podcasts, right? 
there's so much information that can be gleaned that people are sharing and, and really seeking that information out, I think is really important. And then I've never been like a huge mentor person, obviously, like, you know, I got a little bit burned by one of mine and I think I've really relied on a lot of my peers for information sharing, which has been like incredibly helpful to me along the years. Like I can't recommend that enough. Like just creating that network of friends and they don't even have to be the same industry, right? But like everyone has something to contribute to the conversation and the pot and the collective learning. And so keeping those channels open, I think is absolutely critical. You know, even for me, you know, as I've gotten older and, you know, have more resources, even figuring out like how to be an investor and like help support, you know, other founders that, maybe are slightly harder for people to take a, a, a bet on. Or by the way, also the investment community doesn't really know how to invest in like a lot of our businesses. And when I say our, I just mean women's businesses. You know, like these guys don't know. Yeah, because they're also not the consumer either. Like even in our process of raising money, it was like we ended up going with a place that was founded by two women. One of them came from beauty before. And we really felt like not only did you guys come from beauty, but you also are women. So you're just naturally the consumer of our brand. And instead of us having to explain it to you, you guys just inherently understand it. Exactly. And like, you know, these are people that you're supposed to be taking advice from. Right. So it's also like you want to make sure that they really understand you. And it's like marriage. I mean, you're really with these people for a while and they are hand in hand with you taking care of your baby. Like your business is your baby. It's your hopes. It's your dreams. So, I mean, like that's hard. I really describe the whole process of raising money like dating because you really want to go on a lot of dates with a lot of people. You need to see who you really like because it really is a marriage. You're into this contract together and then you hopefully have the same end goal for your baby because then it makes all the decisions along the way a lot easier because you're really partnering with someone and you want to trust them. And if you're agreeing on things on the front end, it makes all the other decisions a lot easier. I couldn't agree more. Okay. I want to get into 15% pledge. For people who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about what it is? Sure. So in the wake of George Floyd's murder... I was getting a lot of calls and texts from friends and they were asking me like questions that actually were totally valid at the time, right? Like they were like, okay, like I want to make a donation and and mainly they were entrepreneurs, right? And they were like, should I donate to Black Lives Matter or should I donate to the NAACP? Like which one actually is better? And then it's like, how much do I need to donate? Like all of these kind of uncomfortable questions that you had to sort of phone a black friend on, right? And I think for me, like as uh, of color, like I've always been sort of open to answering those questions to the best of my ability. I mean, black people are not a monolith, so I can only ever give like my own opinion. Right. And when I was getting a lot of those calls and texts, I was like, Oh God, like I actually am having a really difficult time giving advice here because I feel like any advice that I would give, it would still ring hollow for people because it was such an upsetting time. And I was on the phone with a friend of mine on the Saturday after Mr. Floyd was murdered. And she was calling on behalf of a major retailer. And she was like, you know, they're just like having a really difficult time and people are protesting outside of their headquarters and and all that jazz. And, and, you know, they just donated $10 million to the NAACP. And I was like, well, you know, black people spend like more than $10 million there, like literally like any given day. So like, I understand the $10 million is a lot of money, but like, 
that's not really a thing that's going to make someone believe that they're anti-racist, right? And she's like, well, you know, they like, they, they like love black people though. And I was like, oh, like, tell me more about that. Like, I don't, I don't even understand what that means. Like to be a corporation and like love black people. I mean, it sounds nice. Right. And she was like, well, you know, they carry a bunch of black owned products. And I was like, that's proof that like they love black people. Right. Like that seems like it's just good business. And she was like, well, like, you know, she was getting frustrated with me. And I was like, listen, like, you know, I believe that women, that black people, that people of color don't just like happen to be underrepresented. Right. They've been historically excluded. And that reframing is actually really important. And if major corporations want to consider themselves anti-racist, they need to do what they do best in service of communities that have been historically excluded. And she's like, okay, so like, what are you trying to say? (laughs) And I was like, well, you know, Black people are almost 15% of the population. Major retailers should commit 15% of their shelf space to Black-owned businesses. And she was like, they're never going to do that. And I was like, okay, well, you can just tell them that like, that's what I said. And we got off the phone, Mariana, and I really took time to think about that proposition and what it would mean for the American economic landscape. I mean, bear in mind, like I was getting all this data at the time, right? It was the pandemic. We were all locked at home alone. The first round of PPP money had just came out. I read a stat that 90% of Black-owned businesses did not get access to the first round of PPP I also knew that 44% of Black-owned businesses were projected to close as a result of the pandemic, which was like almost four times as much as the the national average. And so I knew that Black businesses were being like exponentially hurt by the pandemic. And I just started thinking about like all of the different things that could be unlocked, even venture capital, right? Like at the time there had been less than 40 Black women that had ever raised a million dollars in venture capital or more, ever in the whole country, in the history of the country, right? And I said to myself, okay, you know, there's something here. And I kind of just went into the note section of my phone and started riffing. And I think like, you know, the note section is probably where most of our most brilliant ideas kind of live in hiding. But there I was like typing out all this idea in my note section. And, and I really thought about it for an hour after I had the idea, Mariana. And then I just screenshot it, my note section, just raw as it was. And I posted it to Instagram and I tagged a bunch of businesses that I thought should take the pledge when I named the 15% pledge. And I said, this is like my ask of you, you know? And so that was the Saturday. And then on Sunday, I stayed up overnight with my web designer. We built a website. And so we were able to launch a petition on Monday at noon. And by Tuesday, I think we had almost 100,000 signatures. And then, yeah, it was fast. And then by Wednesday, I registered it to become a nonprofit. And by Day 10, Sephora became the first major corporation to commit to the 15% pledge. And since then, it's been almost three years. And we've signed 29 pledge takers who've all committed to getting to 15% of their shelf space or their purchasing power to Black-owned businesses. And they all sign a contract with us. And that means that like every quarter, we sit down with them, we go over their progress, we audit them. We make recommendations to them of, of, of black owned businesses that make sense to, to go onto their shelves. And through those contractual commitments that we have, like Nordstrom is a 10 year contract, for example, 
We're now in the process of moving over $10 billion to Black-owned businesses every year, which is really, really exciting. I have the like the chills of like hearing you tell the story. And obviously I know so much about it and it's so incredible the work you're doing. And I know being a business owner, how impactful these opportunities are and how this creates change, not only for these businesses, but for these families and generations to come. If you're a retailer like Nordstrom, Sephora, Macy's, Ulta, and you're a brand and you want to get in touch with you to hopefully get on shelf space of these stores, how are you finding brands? How do people pitch themselves to you so they can get these opportunities? Yeah, it's such a great question. So we have something called our business equity community, which right now is about 5,000 Black and BIPOC-owned brands. And so people can kind of go online and register to be part of our business equity community. And then someone from our office is going to get in touch and kind of go from there and figure out like, okay, who could it make sense to recommend you to? Or what are the other things that you need to think about in order to get readiness into into a really good place? Or Maybe you're someone that makes sense to recommend for the Sephora Accelerator program or the workshop at Macy's or kind of any of these other programs that we have as well. In my DMs, a lot of times you guys are like, where's your code for Nutrafol? Because you randomly thought, okay, now is the time to order it. So if you forgot what it was before, it's Mariana to save $10 off your first month subscription. And if you don't know about Nutrafol, let me tell you about this amazing line and products. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, and it's clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Because 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair, and if you're among them, know that you're not alone, and there's a solution that you can trust to deliver results. Millions of Americans experience thinning hair. It's more than common. It's normal. But it's not openly talked about, especially amongst women. So going through it can feel really lonely or frustrating but know that there's something you can try. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women through all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician formulated using natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients in consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. It's a really simple addition to your daily routine. It's just four pills a day, and you can begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair in three to six months. Also try the hair serum because it boosts cell renewal and naturally supports visibly thicker, stronger hair in as little as 90 days. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Mariana to save $10 off your first month's subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Mariana. Summer is just around the corner and show off your bright side with Macy's. Whether you're adding a bit of fun to your look with a bold lipstick or going all in with a fuchsia dress, Macy's makes it so easy to embody summer's good vibes. And you guys know I love a summer, summer Friday. And don't miss out on summer must-haves like head-to-toe linen, summer totes, and our stackable rings to make your accessorizing ultra-personal. And bring the refresh to your home with farm-inspired decor, glassware, and bedding because let's be real, nothing beats that fresh sheet feeling. And when shopping, think about Aurora James and the 15% pledge because Macy's was one of the first retailers that came on board to take the pledge. And I love the connection here between 15% Pledge and Macy's. I have a few warm weather destinations coming up. So I am shopping currently for dresses and spring inspired and summer inspired things. And I need to refresh my bathing suits as well. There's a really cute Ralph Lauren one piece swimsuit on here that I love. I'm loving tropical prints and colors right now. If you guys have seen my Instagram lately, I'm really into color at the moment. So I'm adding so many new fun things to my wardrobe. And if you're looking for something that's chic, effortless, very elevated, 
fashion-y. I love this black and white swimsuit. It's a white one piece with a black trim. It's from Sanctuary and it's called the Women's Snakeskin Printout Cutout Monokini. And one of my favorite things for summer too is that I wear a lot of creamy, dewy products and they have the NARS Air Matte Blush and I love a cream blush and they have the most beautiful tones. It's this really unique mousse blush and it really transforms into this like velvety, powdery, cloud-like finish. And I love this because you can just apply it to bare skin or over a skin tint. So check out Macy's.com slash own your style to find some things that you might need for this upcoming summer. You have a lot on your plate between 15% <laughs> pledge, brother valleys, the book, like you are doing so many things. And so I want to ask, how are you splitting your time? Do you have any productivity hacks? Like what are you doing? Cause you're doing a lot of different things and they're all so meaningful. And I imagine they need so much of you. My gosh, Mariana, I wish that I could tell you that I am doing a great job at self-care right now, but I have to be honest with you. I'm not. And I say that with like sadness, you know, I feel like I was very good like in 2019, like really, you know, crushing it at just work life balance, all that. And I think I've also really beat myself up a little bit over the past couple of years because I felt like I was stretching myself so thin and I was like really not giving myself the care that I needed to. But I also realized like this is a specific season for me. And I know that it's not always going to be that way. But I think because the work that we're doing at at the pledge and, you know, it's so incredible. We're now one of the fastest growing nonprofits in America. There's a huge opportunity that's there. And really like helping shift the American economic landscape. And I think every single day that I wake up, I feel really lucky to be working on Brother Valleys and working on the 15% pledge and trying in some small, tiny way to like make a little bit of a difference and make the world feel a little bit more beautiful to me just because it's a little bit more varied and complex, you know? I know you're busy and that it's really hard to take care of yourself, but in an ideal world, what are some of the things that help you recharge when you do need to rest and really take care of yourself? I know you love tennis. Oh my gosh. I love tennis. So that's been a huge thing for me, like just getting my body moving, especially because I still work from home so much and I still travel so much. So I spend an insane amount of time sitting. It's like not cool. So just the opportunity to get my body moving and and playing tennis. And listen, like I am not good at tennis. The funny part is when some people will respond to me on Instagram stories and they're like, you're literally always posting tennis. We've never once posted a video of you playing tennis. And I'm like, you guys do not want to see that because it is not good. You'd rather just see the tennis bag. Trust me. But I think like just finding the fun and the joy in movement is so important for me. Being outside is so important for me. That's a huge part of why I spend so much more time in LA now than New York, just because I need the sun. I need the flowers. I need hummingbirds. I need like all of these things that like helps me recharge. And because I have less time, I feel like I need a higher potency of the things that bring me joy and fulfillment when I can get them. Does that make sense? Yes. You were literally saying it. I was like, wow, higher potency, because that's how I feel. It's like I spend so much of my time in front of a computer or working, but I'm naturally such a creative person and I'm very inspired by my surroundings or like influenced by what's around me. So when I do things in my free time, I like try to do it to the max because those things are what recharge me to go then go do everything else. Totally. And I think that there's something about 
you know, and I'm always really fascinated with my friends who are mothers as well as I have not had the opportunity to be a mother yet. And I feel like their way of working sometimes is also that, right? Because they have this filter where they're like, if I have to be away from my children right now, it better be worth it. So the play is they're playing harder. Their Mm -hmm. work is they're working harder, right? And really like making the most of the moment and having that higher potency. You're naturally such a creative person. And I feel like everything you post, even like it's a simple Instagram story, it's so beautiful in the way you do things. Are there places that you go to feel inspired when you're not feeling inspired? How do you like you reignite your creativity? Like where, where does this come from for you? Oh my gosh. That's so sweet of you, Mariana. As someone who like also everything that you inhabit, is just like absolutely stunning. So I take that as a very major compliment. I think that travel for me has always been very inspiring, but I also just things that are like visual or tactile. Like if you come to my house, there's like lots of raffia, there's shearling, there's shells, there's wood, there's plants, there's flowers, there's old vessels, there's baskets, there's things that like have a history and a story and a human touch to it, right? Like I love things that are perfectly imperfect. I love things that are even in the process of birth or death, right? Like uh, a, 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 a flower that like hasn't yet bloomed but is still in its bud phase that like I don't know if you've ever seen like poppies as they start to bloom they have that like shell casing that's like very uncomfortable for them to kind of shed and you know they're not always able to to shed their full shell completely and so sometimes they'll have half a shell on and the flower will be like half bloomed and just seeing that that struggle that I think happens like within all of us to be honest with you also happens like really naturally in nature all the time. Like it helps normalize the human experience. Wow. You just described that in the most beautiful way. And I think is such a great preview of what people can find in the book. Like just the way that you explain things, I was like, wow, you just made a flower blooming sound so beautiful and poetic. (laughs) And so I would just want to close on your book because it is out now. And so who is this book for? Why should somebody go get it? Or what do you hope that they gain from reading this? Oh my gosh. Well, I really felt compelled to write this book because I wanted everyone to understand that you are basically exactly where you need to be in order to accomplish what it is you want to do. And I think for me, I had so much like doubt and so many little voices in my head being like, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you're worthy. I don't know if you can trust yourself. I don't know if you can trust your body. Right. And these voices are voices that like are actually just like reiterating things that the world finds a lot of different ways to tell us that aren't necessarily true, right? And my mom used to say to me that it was so important that I bloom in the places and the moments that are least expected and most unlikely, right? And that those are the moments and times when you actually need to work hardest to show up as your truest self. And I always really struggled with that because I'm actually like pretty introverted and you know, I struggled with all kinds of things growing up. And I just think like when we do take the time to actually figure out like who we are authentically, 
and parse through like our reactions because we spend so much time just reacting to things, right? And we believe that parts of our personality are things that actually are just reactions to the world and patterns that we develop partially from survival and partially because that's what the world tells us to be and do. And I just think the more that we can strip those back, like the closer we get to happiness and no matter how you parse it, like our goal, I think all of our goals is just to be happy. And it's like, okay, what are the cheat sheets that you can get to get closer to happier faster? And I think for me, this concept of advocating for other people has been like my true source of happiness. And sometimes people say to me like, oh my God, like the 15% pledge is so different than Brother Belly's. And I'm like, no, actually it's the exact same thing. It's about recognizing beauty in the world that has been overlooked for a lot of different reasons and embracing that wholeheartedly and advocating for that and helping people see the beauty that I am also seeing. And then rejoicing in that experience. Amazing. Well, I'm so happy for you. Everyone should go order the book and pick it up. And I cannot wait to see all the work that you do with Brother Veli's and 15% Pledge and continue supporting you because I'm just amazed by all the things that you do. And congratulations. Oh my gosh, Mariana, thank you so much. And it's so nice to talk to you. And it's been so amazing to get to know you over all of these years. And I just am so lucky to be on the planet at the same time as you rotating around sun together because you're such an amazing advocate for women and such a great supporter as a friend. And I just want you to know like how exceptionally important that is and how much of an impact you've made on my life over the years. And I think sometimes it's very easy to, you know, be casual about, you know, receiving or giving support. And I just want you to know that every single time that you have supported me or shown up for me or thought about me or acted in advocacy of me in any way has really meant the world to me. And so now you've done it again. And I really appreciate you sharing your my story with your community as well. It, it means the world. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, I'm going to end the episode crying, but thank <laughs> you so much. And I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Thanks, Mariana. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.